1: up everybody and welcome to episode 83 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host Brad Rowland and joining me uh, the front of the program, always friend of the program, Carlos Collazo Baseball America. What's up man?
0: How's it going Brad? Glad to be back on the podcast. Uh, hearing you say 83 is a little weird. I'm used to, well I guess I'm not used to, but uh, these numbers just keep jumping up on me every time I come up and I'm always surprised. So 83 podcasts in, that's impressive.
1: Yes, I still do podcasts without you. Weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird to consider, but no, uh, it's been interesting. I mean, it's been an interesting year for the Braves and the mm-hmm. podcast, I suppose. But uh, it's nice to have you back as always. Uh, as we kind of wind things down here, the Braves play their play their final home game of the season uh, today, as we're recording this on Sunday night. So they still have a couple of obviously some games to play here. They have a doubleheader even tomorrow, or as I guess today, as people listen to this on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, no more SunTrust Park this year, at least. So it's we're, we're uh, been, the end is near. We should say.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's a good a good thing or a bad thing for Braves fans. I was looking at the um, the projected standings just because we're we're really close to wrapping this thing up, and we're going to come very very close, or we might even hit our preseason projections exactly right. Uh, I'm basically at this point. I'm just pulling for the Braves to win 75 games, uh, so I can say that I was right because I know that's the number that I used the entire the entire time we were doing all of our preseason podcasts and whatnot back on the show. So yeah. We're close.
1: Yeah, I, I think I ended up with 76, which seems right. less likely, uh, based, especially after today, the loss today, not that it really matters that much. It's uh, The Braves have been playing well against the Phillies, obviously, before today, but uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be somewhere in that 74-ish mm-hmm. range, yeah, I think. I, I don't
0: know how often Fangraph's projection page like updates, but as of right now, when I'm looking at it Sunday night, uh, they're projected to finish with 74. Which is definitely in the uh, realm of possibility for for me to get seventy five.
1: That is so also a, what uh. That's also just what just need five more here. That's also what five thirty eight has, and I know theirs
0: is like real time. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it'll be. Interesting. They they have seventy four. They have seventy five. Seventy four. Okay.
1: So um, I mean, just you know, one game here or there. The Braves have been playing better recently, and uh, you know, not playing at Central West Park. I guess it's not a great thing for your record down the stretch here, but they could mm-hmm. certainly. The schedule's not too. The schedule's not too tough. We should say. So uh, some more games. Um, not that that matters a whole lot, um, just because obviously, you know, there's a little takeaways to be had in this final week, but for the most part, uh, results are what they are. But, uh, you know, some decisions to make and some decisions that have already been made, actually, we should hit on. Uh, first thing. First thing's first is, is sort of the Bryant-Snicker status. As you might imagine, I've been talking about this quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, but uh, over the weekend it came out that he met with the Braves front office um, and basically no decision was made, which I found to be quite hilarious. Um, <laughs> they they, they kind of know him pretty well at this point. I'm not sure what's going to yeah. change there, but uh, what are your thoughts on Snicker right now? I know we talk about this all the time, but it, it, this is a fresh topic now since the Braves are like openly deciding, I guess in public, what they're going to do.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting time for the Braves. I think, it is weird that they meant nothing happened, but I think there's some stuff that has to still go on with even people higher above Snicker. Like uh, Hart still doesn't have a contract for next year, as far as I know. Is that correct? Um, so they are, they're they're going to have to make decisions on on whether those guys are coming back. I'm assuming both those guys, like Hart and Cabalella, uh both of them would be coming back. I think they have to get their contracts renewed or something like yeah, that. Yeah, co-
1: Copy is definitely back. Hart is in this weird zone. I mean, I, you know, yeah, co- co- so contract imagine... stuff publicly is always weird with front office guys. It's not as public yeah, as players.
0: Yeah, they're not throwing it out there like like Brian Snickers has been the past, I'm assuming, month you guys have been talking about it. But I guess it makes sense that there's no decision on a manager when a guy like Hart is still trying to get his future solidified. But it is weird to have a meeting about it if you don't know and aren't going to know. But um, uh, I don't know. I, it seems like all the players love the guy. It seems like none of the fans, at least that I keep up with on Twitter, really— <laughs> Want him back just because he doesn't seem very analytically uh, minded when he comes to managing a team. I don't know. You could you have many more exciting managerial options than Brian Snicker, uh, but the guy's been in the organization for forever. Uh, the players like him, so there's there are two points in his favor. Uh, we can we can talk about the the worth of a manager like as much as you want, but That's I would your be take. More...
1: always is that it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, know, I know that, I know that you always yeah. think that, which is actually true. I mean, I, I sort of yeah. lean toward your side on that. I think, um, for as much as I do think it matters. And I think you mm-hmm. do as well, yeah. just how much it matters is overrated. And I'm, I'll be the first to say that, but it just, my mind doesn't let me, uh, sort of turn it off when it comes to bad
0: things (laughs) you think if you could do better you should and even though we know that it doesn't really matter you still want them to have the best manager in position if you're pulling for the team so i get it um but at the same time getting a one good player makes much more of a difference than adding the best manager in the game so I would just say not to get too wrapped up about it, uh, and we'll we'll see what happens. It's kind of a boring take, but that that's mine. That's my take. I knew it, <laughs> I knew
1: it would be your take. Um, I will carry the text on this one. I I think. Um and I've said this before, but I, I do think that they, they've handled this badly from the start. Um, mm-hmm. And I, as someone who's clearly... And you an, said that from the start, too. And I have. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not a snicker guy, but I'll be the first to say that they did him no favors whatsoever with the contract they gave him in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically giving him a one-year contract never made sense to me, still does it now. And now, um, if they were to bring him back after all of this... It makes them look even less committal to him. He'll still be on only a one-year contract for next year. Uh, there's just no right. There's no winners now. Like if they let him go, they wait. They probably waited too long. It looks like they're going to go internal by all the reporting from John Heyman and Ken Rosenthal. All those guys have basically said that if they let um, Snicker go, it's going to be either Bo Porter or Ron Washington. Uh, both of which I would prefer to snicker but not in a huge way I mean it's not like these guys are groundbreaking managers they're not Joe Madden it's not going to be this uh, this massive change I don't think maybe, I mean Porter maybe a little bit more um, but still it's yeah he's they, more
0: exciting than Ron Washington in my opinion for sure At least I mean, as far as pushing the pushing the analytics forward into the dugout
1: that's the thing about Washington's like has the, has the cachet of you know being in the World Series twice as a manager. Um, he's, he's a funny quote, all those, all those things, but Porter, there's more signs of actually being analytical, that kind of stuff. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm team Porter. If you make me choose between those guys, but you know, going back to the point, like I just don't think they've handled, they've handled it well from the start. And that's somebody who I'm not a snicker guy at all, but I will defend him here in a big way. And just say Mm -hmm. that they did not set him up to succeed at all. That's just, that's that's my take on it. It was Um, a weird
0: situation. It was. and,
1: And I mean, from, from the start, they overrated, I think. Um, I'm, I, I almost I only would say I think I'm, I'm very sure they overrated what happened down the stretch of last season with Brian sticker. <laughs> and I, and I think even now, like, I, I'm pretty sure if he didn't have stamp of approval from Freddie Freeman, some guys, he might've gotten fired mid season. Um, it's one of those things where they had that huge downturn and a lot of, a lot of managers would not have survived that, you know, Freddie Gonzalez did not survive it famously last year. So I, I don't know. It, it, it does matter to me uh, to some degree that the players like him. I think it clearly does, or he wouldn't be around, but I'm, I just don't, care that much about that you know guys liking the manager doesn't really move the needle for me in a big way so we'll see what happens I think you know reading between the lines I'd be a little bit more surprised if he's back based on all this stuff I think if he was going to be back they would just say he's back Um, yeah I agree with you but you know it wouldn't blow me away if they if they changed their mind and they famously have now said you know multiple times it has been reported they have until five days after the World Series, so we may not know until you know late October, which is a long way from now it feels like it would be kind of wild to go into you know a couple of weeks from now to still not know what happens with Brian sticker what we might not know
0: yeah, definitely just keep watching and see what happens I guess but there's that I would bet on I would bet on him not not returning, <laughs> yeah that would be my my
1: bet. Me too. That, that's the side I would be leaning towards as well, but nothing uh, hugely definitive there. Uh, I, although I will say, that in that Ken in the Ken Rosenthal piece this week, I'm not even sure if you saw it, but uh, there was the anecdote, anecdote about the way that uh, he used Jim Johnson in the late inning situation, and uh, apparently got reamed by the front office, like in like to a point where the volume was loud enough for like basically everyone heard it in the locker room. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I have not read that. That I is a uh, need to that's a report. So I
0: can read Ken's stuff at this point. We should say that,
1: that a, that's a report. It's not been like I mean, it's not that. This the team will mm-hmm. confirm it, but I can't imagine Ken Rosenfall well, while people was gonna get that wrong. Um, yeah. So apparently, there is some some serious tension there with Snit in the front mm-hmm. office. Um, so I'll just kind of leave that there as a little bit of context. We don't have, we don't have to go into it. So cool. Oh. Uh, there's that. Um, R.A. Dickey also made some comments this week uh, after his uh, final home start. At Central spark he obviously is still going to be pitching this week, but um, made some comments that sort of lean toward like he might be thinking about retirement you know when you 're forty 42, 43 years old that isn't a big surprise because he's yeah. you know one of the oldest players in the majors if not the oldest player um, but at the same time uh, he has a team op- he has a team option that the Braves I think are going to pick up if he's willing to pitch because it's fairly cheap. It's it's a seven digit number um, versus uh, what you could be making on the open market. For instance, he'd, he'd be getting less this year. Ne- less, sorry, less next year than Bartolo Colon would have made this year. Dickie's mm-hmm. not any great shakes, but uh, he can eat some innings for you. At worst, he could probably be a quality long reliever if you wanted him to do that. Um, so, I mean, obviously, it doesn't. Matter. If he retires, that's just kind of his call. But if he doesn't retire and mm-hmm. wants to pitch, are you okay with the Braves picking up his option?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think. Like you said, he's going to eat innings, if nothing else. I mean, there wasn't any noticeable noticeable change uh, in his peripherals this year. In fact, his peripherals this season were better in some regards than in uh, than 2016. I mean, he's already thrown 183 innings with a 4.3 ERA. It's not great, um, but that's kind of around what you would expect of him as a kind of a back-end guy, a veteran in the, the rotation, to to eat innings and continue to let these young braces pitchers develop and, and uh, make their name in the rotation. And if you have these uh, rumors about the Braves shopping Tehran still, I mean, you need you need pitching depth. And is, with as many pitchers as the Braves have and the upper minors kind of ready to get a crack at the rotation, I think uh, you'd definitely rather have too many guys. And I, I don't see the downside, I guess, in, in picking up Baradiki. He could implode and blow up like Bartolo did last year. But even then, I don't think you're throwing away too much money. Like you said, it's not a huge contract. Um, and, and the best case is a solid back of the back of the rotation guy, or, or, or even worse, just a guy who's going to be able to eat innings uh, and at least give you somewhat of a chance in, in most of the games that he's pitching. So, yeah, I'm all aboard.
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't pencil him in for what he did this year, but if he did yeah. kind of a similar thing, like right now, I think it's 1.5 uh, wins above replacement on, on FanGraphs. That's that's a that's a real value for what he's being paid.
0: Um, yeah, for sure. In the last few I guess going back to two thousand thirteen, uh, he's basically been right in that one to two war range, which again it's not spectacular, but you're not signing R.A. Dickey at this point to to get a number two or number three starter. You're getting him to eat innings. I mean, he had two hundred three seasons of two hundred plus innings, and then two thousand sixteen and seventeen uh pushing towards two hundred. This year he's got hundred and eighty three, like I said, with with a lowish four ERA. So I mean, it's not great. It's already Dickey, but it's fine, there's though. value to that, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean... it's pitch, what, Pitchers are extremely hard to get. It,
1: it's, a, it's a lack of opportunity cost for me. Like, it, it, Even if you assume even like a 20% regression, which I wouldn't assume, you know, the age is what it is, but for his mm-hmm. his pitching style, age almost doesn't matter. Like, it's one of those things where it doesn't...
0: Yeah, knuckleballers are weird, man. They're even weirder than left-handers, so... They can pitch forever, Goodness.
1: and <laughs> I, I just don't think it and i know the money is real but you know and the Braves have this sort of pseudo salary cap because of the uh, ownership group that they have but at the same time like they're this is going to be a very cheap roster for next year aside from the out of the corner outfielders basically it's the those are the only those 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 guys and Freddie freeman are really the only guys making real money on this team like yeah. eight figure money and you know that's a great situation when you're even you, the payroll like 90 million million, 100 million something like that there's no reason they can't pay Ari Dickey what, you know a half, $9 million next year. Even if they just assume that he'll be a, a stopgap until June and at June, in June, if they want to pull somebody up from the minors and mm-hmm. even if, if Dickey's pitching well, then, you know, le- let him keep going. And if not, if he's just pitching like, you know, major league quality, but not better than that, you know, he'd be the greatest long reliever in the world. Like he, the guy's <laughs> a knuckleball. He can, he can, he can pitch every day and throw three innings. Like it is what it is. Like yep. he, he's that perfect long relief guy. Up to save your bullpen in some emergency situations. And I think he can probably function in that role pretty well. So I'm, all, yeah. I'm on board with I just, it. I, it's one of those things I just where – Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Fire.
0: I was going to say, <laughs> I just did some research while you were talking and looked into Phil Necro's career. Oh, yes. This legend. guy through 24 years. And uh, R.A. Dickey is only in his 15th right now. So I think uh, that means he's got around 10 left. So he should still be around for a while, he'll be, right?
1: He'll <laughs> be pitching as long as uh, Julio Franco played in the major leagues. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so
0: you got another decade for him. Yeah. You're <laughs> uh, put up four or five ERAs and uh, throw 180 innings a year. That'll be fun. And I think a lot of. No, am be- all aboard for it, right, Dickie. I think you make good points about the money, too. Like, if, if you're spending so little on your team, uh, you could spend money uh, in worse ways than a, uh, back of the rotation starter and, and a longer lever in a worst case scenario, especially, I like for,
1: especially for one year. I, that's why I'm, I'm still yeah. okay with the cologne contract. I know it didn't go well, but, um, start, yeah. getting get, get started uh, pitching for one year, man, like it's, it's invaluable.
0: 100%. Uh,
1: okay. We can move on to the thing that actually happened. It's nice week. to be
0: back on the podcast and just agreeing with you about everything. But whatever. Kind of we'll find <laughs> something to disagree about. I'm sure.
1: Um, the thing that actually happened this week was was Kurt Suzuki getting a contract extension at a weird time. Uh, it's something the Braves have done in the past. They did the Jim Johnson extension um, late in the season. Um, they've done this stuff before. So, uh, but it was it's a one-year, three and a half million dollar contract for Suzuki for next year. Um, just the timing is a little bit bizarre. But uh, you know, listen, he was awesome this year. He'll be 34 in October, so not the youngest guy in the world, but not the oldest guy in the world either. I can't imagine he's going to hit like this again. I think nobody, including the Braves, would say that he's going to hit like this again. It's been the best season of his career at the plate, which is uh, striking for a guy in his mid thirties. But uh, he's been (laughs) he's been incredible, man. There's no way around it. And you know, three and a half million is basically you know nothing in a grand scheme. Um, So that's kind of only my that's kind of my only takeaway is that just don't expect him to do this again. But even if he just does what we thought he was going to do coming into this year, like just be a solid backup who can be a good receiver, occasionally have some power that's fine and obviously if he does this again then it's a massive value because it's like he, right, right now he's worth almost two and a half wins as a backup catcher which is just outrageous um he's not gonna do that again i, I will say that repeatedly until the cows come home but this is this is fine <laughs> i think
0: no yeah it's crazy and if you look at the braves catching situation i think catcher is an area that most people say hey the braves need to find a guy but they're really no great catch and the majors at this point i mean gary sanchez is the best with like 4.3 and then you got a couple guys like buster posey and jt realmuto who have like in the in the threes as far as war goes but catching is such a hard position to fill and the braves have two guys in the top 11 kurt suzuki is at 11 when it comes to fan war which is really impressive uh and kind of speaks to how these guys have, have continued to adapt i know there was a really good piece i don't know if you read it by grant uh, or Ben Lindbergh, excuse me, uh, on Tyler Flowers and just kind of the adjustments he's made in his career to continue to be valuable. Uh, and with the offensive season that he's had, and like you said, with Suzuki, I mean, the Braves really have a pretty good catching situation, at least this season, not not saying long term or, or anything, but uh, the production they've gotten from their two backstops has been impressive and better than I would have guessed if you had asked me. Uh, yesterday, before I prepped for the podcast, how good the brace catchers were. So, kudos to them. Yeah, but, I think. Yeah, it is weird, especially if this. No, go ahead.
1: I, I think that the catcher situation this year has been like the 110th percentile. Like, it's been outrageous how good they've been. You know, flowers early on, mm-hmm. especially, but on the whole, I mean, there's no way that anyone could have thought they were going to do this. Um, but I agree with you. Even before, like, even before all this sort of pseudo breakouts these guys have both had. Coming into the year, I was a little higher on catcher than anybody else was, just because of what you said there. Like, look around the league, and like, not mm-hmm. many teams have two competent catchers. Like Tyler, oh, Tyler Flowers, is, <laughs> right? I mean, Tyler Flowers, I think, is not as good as his numbers indicate, but I think he is a solid starting catcher. And like, people don't. I guess I think I guess now after this season, people are starting to realize that he's kind of sneaky good. Um, but, mm-hmm. but even before this year, like I was saying, look, it's not like this, this sexy situation, but it's not this huge area of need. Like for a long time when you and I were doing the podcast together, it was always catcher and third base. And now it's exactly. basically just third base. Um, and we, we we can talk about that too, if you want, but uh, catcher has not really been an issue at all this year, obviously, and then ne- if next year they have the option on Flowers too, which I can't imagine they're not going to pick up. It looks like it's going to be Flowers and Suzuki again, and uh, you know that's not the sexiest thing in the world, as you said, for the future. But for 2018, that's about as good as you can ask for.
0: Yeah, it's, it sounds much more exciting after looking at their numbers this year than it would if you had like said those names in a vacuum to someone before this season. And I think Tyler Flowers' option is like four million. That's his club option, at least according to MLB trade rumors. It, it's pennies.
1: Yeah, it's it's really Yeah, cheap.
0: and. And the he the biggest thing with Tyler Flowers, if we're talking if we're gonna continue pushing all this advanced analytics stuff that we we're with how we we're doing with the managers, look at just pull up Tyler Flowers' um catch his frame his pitch frame rating. Excuse me, I can't talk tonight. I haven't done this in a well, while, but um if you go to Stat Corner you look up their uh catcher framing report, it's very easy to find. Tyler Flowers is Handily above every other catcher in the league, with 28 runs above average. To the next catcher, who is Yasmani Grandal, who is, he's kind of the poster boy of the the catch framing revolution. And with the way front offices and scouting departments value catchers who can frame pitches these days, uh, that's extremely valuable. Uh, and I know we kind of talked about how bad Tyler Flowers was last year about just throwing runners out, but the value he gives you by just stealing pitches and giving pitchers a better zone is very hard to put a number on, but he's been extremely good in that area this season. And if he even, if he can just replicate that above average catcher or pitcher framing, pitch framing, Jesus, why can't I say that? I mean, that's extremely valuable, (laughs) even if he doesn't hit like, like he did this season. Uh, It's great to have a guy who can manage a pitching staff the way he does. Uh, So that's, if they don't pick this option up, I don't know what they're
1: doing. <laughs> oh, they're they're gonna. I mean, barring some sort of massive injury, yeah. they're gonna pick it up. Um, the only thing that I would say, keep an eye out for, is potentially like a renegotiation. Um, just because it's only one year, and if the Braves want to keep him around for two or three, maybe they say, "Hey, Tyler, we'll decline this if you take this contract." That yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, he's only thirty-one. Yeah, he's I mean, gonna be
0: 32 for most of for most of next year, all of next year actually.
1: That's so. the only way that he's not on the team for what his option number is next year is if they say, "Hey mm-hmm. man, how about a long term deal?" Um, and even if it's just for an extra year, like I can see the Braves going back to him if it's you know four million dollars next year. I could say, uh, "Hey Tyler, how about we give you you know two years and the total of I don't know $14 million." And we'll mm-hmm. basically just, you know, we'll we'll insure you fourteen million dollars, give you a bump for next year, say, you know, seven million a year. I I would have no beef with that at all. You know, I, I think there's some, there's some risk there at catcher, but mm-hmm. um, you know, they can't yeah, really screw this up. That's the thing with the
0: position. You're always going to have risk with it, regardless. Really, I mean, you see what Jonathan Lucroy has done recently, but at the same time, it's one of the thinnest positions, if not the thinnest position of the league. So. If you got a couple guys that you know can do it back there for you, why not?
1: Yeah, just just avoid the uh, the monster contract, uh, which I can't imagine they avoid would do. Matt Weeters. Yeah, well, that's why that's why you don't get Matt Weeters uh, that last summer when people wanted him. Um, yeah. Now, anyway. Well. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, before we get to some uh, young, so, to some younger guys, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Real quick, on, I, I did not prep you for this. I, I want I want I want to see what your reaction was live. Nice. Uh, I love your playing Third
0: questions for me. Let's it's talk great. about
1: third base for a second, because it came up. And we talk okay. about this regularly. But what would you do at third base? I, I think aside from you know going out and getting Josh Donaldson or Manny Machado, which is something that's kind of off the board. Um, if it's only internal options. Uh, would you go with a platoon? I've, I've been asking everybody this question. Would you go with the Rio Camargo combination? Would you, you know, you know, you started Donis Garcia. Like, what would you do at third base for next year? Because, you know, outside of uh, going outside the organization, nothing's terribly exciting. But there's been some signs, and I think I'm on record as saying that if if nothing else, you go into the season next year with Rio Rees as your left-handed um Third baseman, and if you want to platoon him with either Garcia or Camargo, based on what you want to do elsewhere with Camargo, because he could play a number of a number of spots. Like you could do worse than that. Like, Garcia is one thing that he actually does well in the world is uh, hit left-handed pitching. So if that's if you want to keep him around, he makes no money. I get all that. He's not very good <laughs> at baseball. I will always say that. But he does rake against lefties. So if you want to just maximize that, that's cool. But Rio has been a topic of conversation as well because uh, he's so young that you might not want to just straight platoon him. But mm-hmm. at the same Time like his upside's not super high, so I know know I've talked about this a lot, but I haven't talked about it with you. So where are you at with third base?
0: Uh, uh, I'd probably just try and teach Ronald Acuna how to play third base at this point. Those options. I love that idea. (laughs) No, uh, I don't know. It's none of those guys are very attractive uh, as far as having competitive third base options. I mean, Camargo has done well this year, but I haven't watched him too much to be honest with you. So I don't know how well he can pick it over there. Um, he's maybe the most exciting guy, just kind of looking at everything. But again, without having seen them, I'd probably just defer to what you said with Adonis Garcia uh, in some sort of platoon, taking advantage of that. But I don't have a good answer for you. Um,
1: it's always the, it's the famous question that we get. Like on a, every time I ask for questions on the mailbag, like three or four of them are always, "Which guy should the Braves trade for?" <laughs> and it's like, well, I mean, you got to I mean, give me Rio's some specifics. been pretty
0: terrible in his major league time. Yeah, there have been some flashes, but uh,
1: the defense has not been great lately either, which is something that he's been uh, you know uh, you know praised for in the past. But he's had some hiccups at third defensively that I'm not really worried about. But I don't mm-hmm. see him as a long term um, everyday option, and that's the only thing. Like, unless the Braves are worried about him being an everyday option in the future, then I have no problem with them uh, platooning him. I, I only I would only hate that if the Braves thought of him as a future long term option because of the fact that you know you, he's going to have to hit left handed pitching at some point in order to be that mm-hmm. so you have to give him the opportunity to do that you're not, not going to learn without actually doing it but if the Braves are sort of quote unquote given up on that up on, on that as a as a high end thing then I would get it you know Austin Riley is probably now the sexy third base prospect he's not going to be there for next year obviously but maybe if he's your guy the future at third and you're not really worried about Rio as much you could just platoon and try to get by. And of course, they could go out to the organization. I mean, that's the thing people always ask, and I made fun of that a second ago, you know, sort of tongue in cheek. But uh, they could certainly trade for a third baseman. That wouldn't blow me away at all, especially if they're trying to win next year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I still think that I if honestly, go-
0: there are some exciting third base third baseman on the market this offseason. There are, uh, but like
1: they're they're all the, they're all they're all in these short term deals. But interesting. Yeah, like all the guys you could trade for are like on one year contracts basically, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think the Braves are gonna. Do that. I think everything that they've talked about publicly is how they want to get these younger cost-controlled guys, whether it be pitchers or elsewhere. And all the sexy third base names are really like about to be free agents. And I just can't see the Braves like winning a bidding war for Manny Machado. Like I just don't see that happening.
0: No, it would be very shocking if they went after Machado in free agency. That's not something they've done lately, or. They just don't have uh, really, the money. It's been I mean, a long time since they've even been players in free agency for those kind of guys, so that would be shocking. But they don't—they
1: don't have the money, I and mean, it's plain and simple. <laughs> like he's going to make thirty million dollars a year, and they don't have that. Like they don't have. It. Well, they—they
0: they should just draft Nolan Gorman this year in the in the 2018 draft. There you go. Uh, I will—I
1: will defer to you on all things draft, <laughs> at the, especially especially at this point in September. I will. Uh, yeah, my I'll tell you guys. If, if
0: you don't know who Nolan Gorman is, just remember that you heard his name here. <laughs>
1: Uh, you, wor- you work for Baseball America, so I'm going to defer to you on that one, my friend. Uh, <laughs> all right, we can we can keep going, go away from third base. Um, okay. I- I'm going to open up the floor for you now to make fun of me about Ozzie Albies.
0: Go. Oh, man. Are you still? So here's the thing. I don't know if your opinion on Ozzie Albies has changed, uh, but if it hasn't, then I'm just going to roast you for it because he's been dynamite and he has just let it be known if you've kind of downplayed this which i don't think you're the type to downplay when when you're wrong or even when something you say kind of blows up in your face even if your thought process isn't wrong you normally are pretty open about it but (laughs) ozzy's been awesome and all the feedback i've gotten actually did um the top 20 International League prospects for Baseball America last week. You can check that out on the site if you are interested. Uh, Spoiler alert, Ronald Acuna is number one. But Ozzy Alves was also on that list, and he pretty much does everything except hit lefties with impact at this point. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on Ozzy at this point, Brad? Uh, He's been
1: really, really good. Um, I will always (laughs) go to my grave saying that it wasn't about Ozzy. Um, my, evaluate, yeah. my evaluation was not really about Ozzy; it was about Swanson um, yeah, being ahead of him. Yeah. And and w- I will say that you know mm-hmm. Dansby struggled this year, and but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because it was always about Ozzy's primary value being as a shortstop and mm-hmm. him not playing a shortstop. But listen, there's nothing wrong with if he's if he's going to be as good as he looks to be now. He's 20 years old. If you if you want to be a four or five one second baseman. Uh, that's cool. Like, I, I mean, there's still a huge, there's a lot of value in that. He's been awesome. There's no way around it. I mean, it I,
0: be Jose Altuve late.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be that, I don't think, but it's one of those things where if he, if he just what he is now, like, and obviously it's a very small sample. So, but if you were to track this production over a full season, you're talking about a four or five win player, uh, at 20. And that's kind of outrageous. Like I don't think he's gonna be that. But yeah, he's he's been really really good, man. And uh, for all the people that sort of said he didn't have power, uh, it's not it's not home run power, but like he Mm -hmm. has a lot of pop in that tiny little frame. So Mm -hmm. no, I'm a fan. I've kind of. it's funny. I, I almost said I was. always always, always a fan. I, I'm gonna get roasted for that. But it's not. Like, it's not. Like I never. It's not like I ever didn't think he was a good. I, I will say
0: that you've always said Albie's is a good player. You've never said that yeah. you want him gone because he's bad. It has always been about the shortstop situation and having Dansby and other teams having more value with Ozzy than maybe the the Braves would have. But I, was, I, mean, I mean, it's I not wrong. a of possibility for Ozzy to be, to play shortstop in the future. I'm not writing Dansby off by any means, but. There's always a chance that he doesn't figure it out. So, having Ozzy on the team uh, in case you need that situation or you need him to play shortstop in the future, I mean, it's looking pretty good so far. But yeah, there are a lot of it's a small sample. So,
1: a lot of the fan base, yeah, we should remember that last year at this time, everyone was in love with Dansby. Yeah, uh, for about the same sample. (laughs) Um, So, and it's kind of eerie how similar their numbers are um, across the same sample. Um, I have so, them right here if
0: you want them. Yeah, go ahead. Far away. So, so last year in 2016, Dansby had uh, 38 games. He hit 302, 361, 442. That's good for a 107 WRC plus and a 0.8 war. This is all fan graphs. And then Ozzy so far this year in 49 games, he's at 275, 353, 440 with a 108 WRC plus, which is just one. Uh, higher than Dansby last year and a 1.4 war. So they are pretty similar. Uh, the war's a little higher for Ozzy. He's got a couple more games under his belt. Um, yeah.
1: But so, yeah, it's uh, don't go. don't get tan. I mean, I do, I do kind of buy it. Um, I bought it with Dansby too, to be honest with you, but I do kind of buy it with Obby's. It's not like I think he's going to be bad and he's so young that it's like kind of scary that he's already been this good at the mm-hmm. major league level. And uh you would not have to go far to find some fans that want those guys to flip positions. Uh, there's a, Mm -hmm. there's, there's this backlash. Really? Yeah. There's this, there's this backlash out there about Dansby's defense because he makes errors. People think he's bad at shortstop, uh, Mm -hmm. even though every metric says he's not bad at shortstop. Um, but he, what what he, I will say this, when he messes up, it's in glorious fashion. Um. So they're so they're mem- they're memorable. How when he, when he does things that are bad, they're memorable, and when he does things that are you know sneaky, really good, like he does it very smoothly. So it's one mm-hmm. of those things where he doesn't seem to be a spectacular. Um, he's not spectacular anyway, but he's just he's just yeah. fine. But people think he's bad at shortstop, which I don't think. And Ozzy's, Ozzy Aussie also has that you know prototypical like he's super he's super fast. Um. Mm-hmm. He's you know it's one of those things where you might just assume he's a better shortstop than Dansby is, and he might. Honestly, probably is a better defensive player um, at shortstop. It's just at some point it wouldn't blow me away if they flip positions. I'll say that, but I wow. it, you, you'll find yes. this you'll find this crew of people that like are like projecting that to happen. I'm not doing that mm-hmm. at all. I think um, it's like it's kind of it's going to always come down to who hits. If they if they mm-hmm. both hit, they probably will just stay where they are. Um, But if one guy struggles, you know, that's that is that was the argument for holding on to Ozzy was that, you know, if something happens to Dansby, you have this guy who can play both spots. And if nothing happens to Dansby, you have got you have two awesome middle infielders. And that's kind of what it looks like right now. I mean, Dansby's struggled a little bit, obviously, early on this year, especially. But he's been much better lately, too. So there are some positive signs there also.
0: Yeah. And everything I heard from talking to managers in the International League this year and some scouts who watched that league is that uh, Ozzy made really good progress defensively at second base. Um, he's got an above average arm. He's oh, obviously he's got the quickness and the plus range. So he, he's going to be good uh, there. There's like no, yeah, there's no way around it. It's definitely a good situation to be in with two guys who can play shortstop at a pretty good level. So, uh, nice to see Ozzy succeeding. And the thing with him is that the, uh, the walk and the strikeout rates are better than Dansby last year when they were, if we're just looking yes. at their small samples of success. Uh, Dansby struck Dansby struck out, uh, quite a bit more than Ozzy is so far. Uh, so, It'll be interesting to see how those numbers kind of trend. Uh, I'm definitely confident that Dansby is going to figure it out and take steps forward next season. But uh, it's concerning when your uber prospect is hitting 232 after 136 games. So.
1: Yeah, it's not not ideal. Um, it's sort of in that same vein, Copy uh, was interviewed today or a Sunday, if people listen to this, by the AJC and indicated that he thought the Braves are going to be younger next year. A lot of that uh, is uh, Acuna, obviously, who we'll, I'll let you talk about in a second just because I know you've been looking at him a lot for your uh, Baseball America thing and just in general because he's uh, very, very good at baseball. But um, in order to get younger, that's pretty much the only guy that you can look at. I mean, if you look at the, what, what, uh, the way the roster is now, um, everybody is kind of locked in outside of the corner outfielders and third base. Um, and it looks like they're not going to get any younger at catcher. So uh, he's pretty emphatic in these comments about how they're going to be younger for next year. And that basically can only mean a Cunha. I mean, he talked about, uh, I th- yeah, the quote is, uh, and I quote, when he's ready, no one's going to stand in his way. Um, that's obvious, I think to everybody, but um, mm-hmm. it sort of bridges to the fact that uh, this conversation that we keep having over and over again with Kemp and Marcakis. And uh, something I want to say, I wrote about this for Monday, so if people want to look at it on the site when they get there. Um, StatCast came out with this new stat um, for t- to measure outfield performance. Um, it's, I-, I believe it's called outs above average, something like that. Um, mm. And uh, Ender, Men- Ender NCRT is number two in the league, uh, behind only Byron Buxton. Uh, Matt Kemp is last in the <laughs> league. Uh, and Marquez is, I believe, is somewhere around 185th. In the league, um, in terms of de- in terms of defense, none of that is surprising. Um, but all that to say, uh, if they were to get younger, it pretty much has to be with um, with uh, Acuna, and that's kind of yeah. And it, 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 it sorry, I was looking at, as I was talking. It is outs above average, but uh, yeah, it, it pretty much has to be Acuna, and it's kind of at the expense of one of those guys. So. I, mean, I don't want to ask you like who goes. But we we don't know the answer to that, but oh, you just, know the,
0: you know my answer.
1: Well, I mean you've been you've long <laughs> been on Matt Kemp Island. And I know that about you. So um, no, I'm kidding. Um, it's just interesting to look at like have another yet another number to back up what, what our eyes tell us about how bad the corner offers have been, especially defensively. You know, Marquez, they both have some value offensively, but pr- provided. That Acuna is the only. I mean, maybe I'm crazy. And we, we got a, we got a question about Dustin about Dustin Peterson um, mm-hmm. in the mailbag this week. Also, kind of asking if he's going to make the team next year. Do you have Blake Adams as well, but I just don't see how you get any younger with the, with this, uh, at least with the starting roster, unless it's Acuna replacing one of those guys in the outfield.
0: Yeah, and he's not going. It's not like he's going to replace Cinder. There's no situation where that happens. No. So. I don't know who knows what they're going to do. I guess they've got money. they got more money tied up in those guys, so that makes things interesting as well. But they're both liabilities, absolute liabilities in the outfield. Um, they're different opinions on what they can do offensively. And honestly, like I'm going to keep writing this on, but I don't think Matt Kemp's going to hit anywhere close to what he did this season next year. I mean, his the way his body has changed from the start of the season to now is like very apparent just from a guy who doesn't watch them every day, and maybe that's more obvious to me because of that. But.
1: It is, re- it is, re- it is remarkable to see a guy balloon in the middle of a professional sports season, and he is, it's yeah, I don't not know even, how that
0: happens, I guess. I guess when you're nearing the grind of a baseball season, maybe it's a lot easier to like not work out regularly, well, and even though you're playing every day, it's not like it's not like baseball is a very Uh, it's not like you're burning a ton of calories when you're out there playing how Matt Kemp plays baseball. But if you watch the way that like, I know it's a grind, but
1: I mean, if you watch the way that guys even warm up though, there's a lot of like running. Like, it's not like, I think you have to, I think you have to try.
0: (laughs) How hard does Matt Kemp go through those runs? Well,
1: I mean, the only thing that I will say in his minor defense on him getting weight is that he had the hamstring thing. And if you have a, if you have a soft tissue injury, like you're going to limit the amount that you're going to do a lot of like cardio and running because it probably hurts. So, like, I I get that, but, like, it is – it really – it truly is jarring to see, like, how he looks now versus April. And, like, even in April, there was a lot made about him losing weight. He -hmm. lost some weight, but, like, it wasn't like he was this guy who was suddenly this chiseled machine in April. Yeah. And it's, like – it's no as you said there, it's very noticeable now. And, again, some of that I'm sure is the injury, but at the same time, like, this is not the first time this has happened to Matt Kemp. And, like, he had that super hot streak early. It was, like, 45 games of just being red hot. But aside from that, like, he's been – if you just took the bat, it's useful. But, like, when you're yeah, so I bad at everything team. else, like, it's it hurts. It really does.
0: Why wouldn't – obviously, they probably looked into this. So I'm not going to act like they haven't. But trading Matt Kemp to an American League team makes all the sense in the world. Just because he is the – we can pretty much objectively say it now with this new stat cast, uh, outs above average, that he's the worst defensive outfielder in the game and I, it was funny. We were talking. I was talking to to a couple scouts about just outfield defense in general and kind of how they value that. And they both brought up Kemp uh, as a as a player to not emulate. That's the last guy you want to be. Uh, without me bringing him up, surprisingly, because I'm normally quick to do that with Matt Kemp's defense. But he's really bad. At the same time, though, he's a guy who's hit 19 home runs for you. He's got some power still. Obviously, hits for a pretty. Pretty solid average if you still care about that. Um, but but Kemp seems like a guy who would still have some value on an American League club where you could just put him in the in the DH spot, not worry about him getting out on the field. And then with Marquez, I know you don't like Marquez and he isn't great, but I, the way his batting profile breaks down, I trust that much more as far as aging. Uh, it's pretty good value when you're talking about getting on base. I mean, getting on base 35% of the time is still still valuable, even if he can't run and maybe clogs up the bases a little bit. Uh, it's pretty much negative value across the board when you look at base running, offense, and defense. But he's got a pretty stiff penalty playing right field uh, for those offensive values. But, I mean, getting on base at a 356 clip is is still valuable in my mind. I think I've always been higher on Mark Hakus than you just, just because you rightfully point out that he pretty much does nothing for you other than... Uh, hit for a a moderately high average and get on base. He's a liability in the outfield. He can't move. He doesn't hit for power. So I get all those things, but I just feel like Marquecas would be more valuable than Kemp if you're talking about getting rid of one of these guys. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm actually with you on this. Uh, I think – the only dividing line, and I, I'm sure I've said this before, but the only dividing line here is that Marquecas is just easier to move. It's one year, mm-hmm. it's less money. Um, yeah. I think ideally, though, I mean, ideally is moving both of them. I think that's pretty much impossible, frankly. Um, not I mean, impossible. just look at how
0: consistent Marquecas has been over his career. It's crazy.
1: I just think if you – if <laughs> I think ideally they're going to have to pay a lot of money to get rid of count, but I think you might just want to do it, frankly. Uh, clear that mm-hmm. spot. I think ideally you want to s- open next year – with Marquecus in left field and Acuna in right field,
0: I think that yeah, that makes all the sense. You definitely 100%.
1: because Marquez's defense is not good, but it's it's much better than Kemp's because at least Marquez makes the plays he's supposed to make. Um, mm-hmm. He has no range, but uh, <laughs> it, it's fine. The plays he like to, he's not he a disaster. He he would not be a disaster in left field. Like the the bar is lower in left field as well, so he wouldn't look like. You know, a lot of teams play play their bad defenders in left field and, you know, he wouldn't he certainly would not be the worst defensive left fielder in the league. He would be below average, but not not bad at all there. Uh the bat doesn't play in left field, but if you have a Cunha doing what we think he's gonna do in right field, that wouldn't matter as much. You know, ideally you want both neither one of those guys on the roster. Um, but I just think everyone everyone rightly assumes that it's easier to trade Marcus because again it's one year and he still mm-hmm. has some value. I think he's overpaid at eleven million dollars a year, but it's not like this crazy overpayment like if he had the market this year he would get some money like it would it wouldn't like it wouldn't be as if he'd sign for the minimum like he'd be a guy who somebody paid um some money for whereas kemp someone would probably take take a chance on him, but it's two years and it's more money. And he's more pigeonholed. Like you, you know, everyone Mm -hmm. knows how bad he is on defense. Whereas Marquecas probably has some defenders around the league. I should sort of a weird way to put that some supporters on, about his defense and the fact that Mm -hmm. he does just make the plays he's supposed to make. You can Mm -hmm. hide that a little bit. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I know, I'm lower, I know I always rag on Markekis, and a lot of that, honestly, lately has been that Brian Snicker puts him in positions to fail as a hitter where he's hitting fourth and fifth in the lineup <laughs> as a guy with, a I believe his slugging percentage over three years is like somewhere in the 385 range, which is uh, not a guy you want hitting in a power position. But, you mm-hmm. know, he's. I've long said he's not awful at baseball. He does some things that can help you. He can, he can get on base. Uh, the Braves do not maximize his abilities that's a lot of that's on the manager in terms of where he, where he hits in the lineup. Like Markekis should be hitting high in the lineup or very low in the lineup, not really in the middle of it. Um, But anyway, without getting too deep into that, I just think it's pretty much impossible to move both guys. So if you can only move one, you just move the guy who makes the most sense. And it's not, it's this, we're not in a vacuum here. Like if it's pay all of Kemp's money or trade Kekis for, you know, and not, and not to pay his money, then I get it. Um, But Mm -hmm. If you can find a reasonable deal for Matt Kemp and can't, well, not, I mean, not can't find one for Marquez, but it's all about um, sort of pros and cons, and it's sort of a push-pull situation because nothing's in a vacuum. I just think ideally, you know, you rather have Marquez on your team because he's more useful than Kemp is. There's less, there's less risk. There, you know, mm-hmm. some of that's. Some of its, you know volatility could be good with Kemp because if he hits for half a season the way that he did early on he can actually sort of help you in a big way and this lineup still doesn't have a ton of power in it you know if if you have Acuna you can't assume he's going to suddenly be an awesome power hitter at the age of twenty. Like, mm-hmm. he might be that, but um, the rest of this roster, aside from Freeman, most of the guys who you like a lot are not these huge power bats. You know, Ncarte, Swanson, Albies, you know, even Flowers. Like, these guys are not um, huge power bats. So that's the, one, that's the one angle people try to use to, ju- to justify Matt Kemp, and I, I get that mm-hmm. wholeheartedly, but I just think you have to look at the whole picture and realize how much he hurts you everywhere else.
0: Yeah. Also, shout out to Matt Kemp. It was his birthday yesterday. Happy thirty third birthday. He shouts to Matt 30, Kemp. Thirty three years and one day old now. So he can, after uh, we just destroyed you, Matt, happy birthday.
1: He can generate more discussion than just about anybody. I mean, there was even an argument DOB was in an argument today about Matt Kemp on Twitter with a good friend of the program, Bennett Hip. So uh, DOB wasn't an argument on Twitter? Yeah, that's it's weird. Um what? <laughs> but no, it's it was uh it's just it's really tough because if you just look at the bat, and what he's sort of tantalizing because it's like, oh look, this is what Matt Kemp can do for you for forty games if he gets hot. Like, yes, yeah, that's super valuable. If the guy slugs six hundred over forty games, that's super valuable. But um, the rest of the season, when he's either not playing or not hitting, because like, it's not all health. Like there was this, there was a whole portion of the season when he was playing and just doing absolutely nothing on the plate. And like, <laughs> if you're playing that guy, he has to hit. Like that, there's no wiggle room for Matt Kemp. Like if he if he's in the lineup and he's not hitting, he's the worst player in the league. Like oh, agreed. 100%. You know what I'm saying? Like so, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's there's a lot of risk there. Um, yeah, I mean we can li- we can litigate the Hector Oliver trade all over again if you want to. No, but let's, uh, let's not let's not, not do that. that on this podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, we should at least address the one other question I brought up before I let you get out of here is uh, I sort of alluded to it a second ago, but Brendan Fog- Brendan Fogliani says uh do you think Dustin Peterson will make the opening, opening day roster in 2018? Uh, before I let you opine on this, uh, Peterson has had a really rough year at the plate in AAA. Yeah. Um, he's still young and I still kind of like his profile, but it's not been a good year for Peterson.
0: Yeah, it was It's funny. I was just talking about how I did the international league list and that's where he's been the whole year. And he, was not a name that was brought up or even considered for this top twenty list. So I think he's slugging like
1: three twenty for the season. He's, not he's
0: slugging three eighteen, which is exactly yeah. the same as his three eighteen on base percentage. Uh, my how Dustin Peterson has fallen from his two thousand sixteen uber prospect year when everyone kind of jumped on board. Uh, yeah, I would be shocked if Dustin Peterson. What was the question? If he made if, the opening day roster?
1: Yeah, and I'll say this: like I still like him, but like if it's between Peterson and Lane Adams. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna keep playing Adams.
0: Yeah, I don't know why he would. Just because, I mean, if he comes up and starts in the or makes the opening day roster on the team, he's either just lit the world on fire in string training, or they've gotten rid of several outfitters um, I mean, who are the currently math, on the it's team the and math. to be on the team. Like it does, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why he would. It's the uh, especially it's, with how it finished. It it's really the
1: math because like you know, Ender's gonna be on the team. I, I you have to assume that either Kevin Marquez is on the team. To that you event. gotta assume both are gonna be at this. Well, point. yeah, I, I, mean, just, I, I do think I they're gonna really here, but... they're gonna really try. I think to trade one of them, um, if only because. But well, the whole thing is that what I was gonna get what I was gonna get to in a second is that if they move one of those guys, it's gonna be filled by Acuna. Yeah, so exactly. like, there's not like there's gonna be this extra spot open for Peterson. Like Lane Adams is on the team. I don't think Lane Adams is this any great shakes, but he can really run and play defense, and they they clearly like him on the bench. And it's fine. He's Basically, been
0: good. If, if Dustin Peterson made the team, he'd be on there as a, in some sort of bench role. And with a guy who's not – he's hes a prospect still. Like he's kind of interesting. It's not like he's yeah. an organizational guy. You right. probably want him to just repeat AAA and figure it out and play every day uh, and see if he can get back on track. There would be no benefit to him from coming up and playing off the bench with the big league club after this season he's had in Gwinnett. So
1: yeah, I, I, definitely I would agree. be shocked. Definitely agree with that. You know, Lane Adams is not my favorite prospect in the world, but like in terms of current production, he'd be a much better addition to the uh, major league club in 2018 than Dustin Peterson, and that'd be the guy that he'd probably have to beat out. And I just, you know, Lane Adams does things and isn't and isn't a prospect in the way that Peterson is. So like, they have mm-hmm. no risk of taking uh, stuff away from him. We talked about it, I think, on a couple weeks ago about Lane Adams, like what happens if they trade one of these guys as Lane Adams have a chance to make the team, like not make the team, but like start. And I was like, no, I mean, if they, if they get rid of one of those guys, I have to imagine that it's going to be for Acuna to start. But um, Adams is, Adams is in the mix. Uh, And by the way, they still have Matt Adams, which is the funniest thing about all of this. The guy, (laughs) we we don't talk about it all really aside from just what what are they, when are they going to trade him? But they have Matt Adams for cheap next year. Um, And I, I mean, we've seen them, we've seen them play him in the outfield because they almost like have to, because like you have this guy, who can play first base and not – I mean, I guess his second position is left field where he's really, really bad. But um, they have to think about him too. Unless they, Until they trade him, you have to at least factor Matt Adams in a little bit. And obviously he isn't taking time away from Freddie Freeman at first base. So there has yeah, to be and some look at Matt Adams
0: by uh, stack outs above average, he's, like only the hundred, he's only the 162nd worst Outfielder in the league. That's ahead Matt of Markakis. Two hundred and five. Yeah. Yeah. Instead mean, of a, both Kemp and Marquez. Yeah, you're upgrading your defense by putting Matt Adams. Out <laughs> I, I don't. I don't believe that.
1: I, actually, I, I'll Is that say that how it works. He might be better than Matt Kemp. In
0: all seriousness, he's not better I mean, than Marquez, but uh, it's uh, he really be might better. be
1: better than Matt Kemp.
0: It's. Uh, Brad, I'm giving you a glove and sending you out there, and you're going to be better than Matt Kemp. I,
1: I disagree with that. I'm uh, I'm old and washed, but uh, no, it's. <laughs> It is funny though about Matt Adams because I've seen people. I like I'm guilty of this too. I just forget that he exists until he pinch hits, and I'm like, oh yeah, Matt. I was like, Matt Adams is still on the team. That's weird. They just handled that whole thing so weirdly. Uh,
0: you when, have players on a it. team like that. Is that good for your major league production? Well, it's,
1: it's the whole thing is he, he's he's super useful, but like I can't think of a team where he'd be less useful than on a team that has Freddie Freeman on it. Like he's a, he's a first baseman, and Freddie Freeman for all like Freddie Freeman's gonna play every single day that guy's he's not if he's able to walk we talked about this at nauseam and i ranted about it but like he's gonna play every day so like matt adams mm-hmm. is a first baseman who's also left-handed and is a bad left fielder like wow i, I know why they went and did it when freeman was out mm-hmm. and When freeman was out but like they had to flip him back and they didn't do it and now they go into this offseason i'm assuming they're going to trade him i really am because it doesn't make any sense his value to other teams is just so much higher than it is to the Braves, but maybe they just hold on to him. Who knows? Yep. It's the Ozzy Albies corollary. At two. bring
0: brings back full circle. No, much less exciting, Ozzy yes. corollary. Yeah. Much I, much th- I thought about that, but I wasn't going to hound you on it again uh, I already I'll, went off. So. I'll, I'll do it to myself. It's fine. <laughs> here you go. Uh,
1: all right, man. Well, I'm going to let you get out of here. Please plug cool. anything you want to, my friend. Yeah, I'm
0: actually excited uh, this week. This week we are releasing a very early top 50 uh, college and top 50 high school prospects for the 2018 draft. So as of fangraft's projections right now, the Braves are going to have the ninth pick in that draft, which is definitely a pick where some exciting players are going to be. So if you want a very early look at the class and a head start on some of the guys to, uh, to start hoping for or just getting excited about, definitely check that out. Um, I'll be doing a lot of draft stuff uh, for BA obviously throughout the year leading up to it so that's kind of where my focus is now definitely check out Baseball America and you can follow me on Twitter at Carlos A. Colazzo if you want uh, tweets from me every day about high school players so yes please get
1: that get, <laughs> get that get that sweet content over at Baseball America <laughs> and support Carlos well uh, thanks man for doing this as always it's been a while and I appreciate you coming back on
0: yeah it's been fun thanks Brad as for everybody else,
1: uh, next week will be the uh, final uh, regular season show. That'll be uh, later in the day after the uh, season finale, so uh, from there, we'll sort of etch out a schedule for the off-season. That'll be mostly every week, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, please subscribe to the show on iTunes, all that fun stuff. Check us out at TalkingChop.com. I have something going up tomorrow, or today, as you probably read this, or I mean, as you're probably listening to this, so uh, yeah, just come on over. The season's still going, and if, even if it's not, we we'll are always talking about the Braves and do something at com. so Join us and we'll see you guys next week.